in this episode. Why are we discussing occlusion just after material selection? <laughs> occlusion uh, may be uh, the starting point of treatment, but it is something that we need to look at from the future perspective and and then plan the treatment accordingly. When you come into private practice, you don't have departments. Patient doesn't come to a department. Patient comes to you as the clinician, and you're the entire university now. In sequence, I am a big believer that occlusion should be taught and learned first. Only then should come actual clinical steps uh, of fixed prosthodontics, which is which is what you remember we did with our book as well. The smallest of interference can result in problems way more than what we as dentists even perceive. which is why so many patients who walk into our practice with migraine headaches neck ache back aches tinnitus clicking and popping in the jaw joint we often never related to a bite problem when the actual problem lies in occlusion which is why a lot of these patients go from doctor to doctor to doctor to doctor to doctor and no one has any answer for why they have a problem a line in the front is a guidance a line at the back is an interference because i had lost a bet <laughs> <laughs> that is awesome to know hi there i'm your host dr mayur dawda and you're listening to the 32 minute podcast where i interview some of the finest dental professionals of the world to share their experiences and tips with all of you this is a podcast where you can learn a lot irrespective of whether you're a dental student hygienist ceramist or a dentist this podcast is for everyone in dentistry I release an episode every Sunday morning so do subscribe to the 32 minute podcast on Apple Google Spotify Stitcher Gaana or any other platform of your choice Hi boys uh, welcome back it's such a pleasure to have you on the 32 minute podcast likewise my friend mayur an absolute honor being here at this lovely studio that you have I am glad you liked it thank you Cool. Uh, let me begin with uh, something that's not related to the topic, but for people who are joining us live and for the people who are listening to us on the podcast, mm-hmm. uh, what are we discussing today? Mayur, we're going to start off with discussing about dental occlusion. Awesome. Awesome. Oh yes. I think in a previous session we discussed about uh, material selection. That's right. Um. So before we dive into the topic i'm going to be asking you uh, quite a few general questions but before that why are we discussing occlusion just after material selection <laughs> all right so you're wondering right abhi to material selection why and and we're already talking about uh, if 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 a lot of people may call advanced prosthotopic all right yes. but but that's not the case uh, mayur kaisa hai na it's very important for general dentists and and for every clinician who's starting off with with patient work to start treatment with the end in mind remember every race that you run has has a a starting line and a finish line and unless you don't unless you know the finish line you don't know how to proceed through the entire race all right so occlusion uh, may be uh, the starting point of treatment but it is something that we need to look at from the future perspective and and then plan the treatment accordingly because remember every execution starts with the planning phase right so if you have a basic understanding of the bite that the patient walked into your practice with and the mm-hmm. bite that you want your patient to leave your practice with yeah. you are now better placed to provide that to your patient mm-hmm. right now i'll tell you something that happens with dentistry and and especially dentistry uh, in our country yeah. uh we go through four years of of rigorous training 
And then we have the fifth year, which is our internship, mm -hmm. which is where we actually get to do clinical dentistry, right? So in, in, in that fifth year, we are posted in different departments on a rotation basis. And what happens is when you go from one posting to the other posting, you enter that posting with what I call the herd mentality. So what happens is if you are in perio, all you will look for is, is, is periodontal considerations. If you are in prosto, you're only looking at prosthetic considerations. Oral surgery, you're only looking at teeth to extract. Yeah. But what, 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 unites every branch of dentistry together is is occlusion right uh when you come into private practice you don't have departments patient doesn't come to a department patient comes to you as the clinician and you're the entire university now so your perspective towards occlusion has to be uh laid down as a foundation first and and only then should you proceed with with simple steps of tooth preparation right you need to first understand the dynamics of occlusion to make sure that your crown does not feel high in the patient's mouth. So that is why uh, in sequence, I am a big believer that occlusion should be taught and learned first. Only then should come actual clinical steps uh, of fixed prosthodontics, which is, which is what you remember we did with our book as well. We've taken occlusion as the second chapter in our book so that we can lay the foundation uh, stone before we proceed with actual clinical protocols. Awesome. I probably want to quote uh, Akshay Kumar Swami over here. Mm -hmm. uh, I mm -hmm. interviewed him a couple of weeks back and he actually mentioned the exact same thing that you were speaking about. Um, uh, when a patient comes into a clinic, we don't view the patient as department-wise stuff. Correct. It is like uh, a whole thing. It's a holistic uh, effort Perfect. from our side. Perfect. And that's that's one of the reasons why our education system also needs to change. And he did speak about a comprehensive type of clinics, which is how the education is abroad. It's not right. like department wise. Correct. Um, but uh, uh, he actually did his uh, further education in the University of North Carolina, wherein it is not like endo department or perio department. It's more like a comprehensive clinic, uh, which is the trend is yet to start in our country. And I think um, uh, in future, we are going to be seeing quite a lot of that. Yeah, let me let me start off by saying uh, like minds, uh, great minds think alike, right? So I'm 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 glad that uh, Akshay has has raised this point, yeah, and yeah. it's a valid one because he's seen both sides of the world, right? Yeah, yeah. he's had his bachelor education here, he's had his mastership training in in North Carolina, yeah. and he understands uh, the pros and the cons of each of these. Right. And, and I believe it is individuals who have this experience of, of both sides are, are in the best position to bring about that that change that dentistry uh, per se in, in our country uh, so desperately needs. Absolutely. Uh, yeah. And there are a couple of colleges. I'm not really sure if you are aware, but there are a few colleges who are offering uh, this uh, comprehensive uh, type of education. And uh, you might be interesting, interested to know one of the names mm -hmm, is mm -hmm. related to your field. Do you want to take a wild guess in whose college uh, this type of education is offered in our country? Why, why, why do I have a feeling this is because to do with the textbook that we all have read, <laughs> but but never showed our <laughs> faculty members we've read? <laughs> I got it right. <laughs> yes, absolutely. I totally agree with that. So it does make sense why we are discussing occlusion right now. Um, but before I ask you the next next question, uh, uh, this is important for any kind of prosthetic replacement, right? It's not only for full mouth rehabs. 
No, no, absolutely. When when we're talking about uh, occlusion, it's important to understand that it goes from uh, a single filling going up to a complex reconstruction that may be tooth or implant supported, correct? Mm-hmm. Uh, we've all read about occlusion from the complete denture perspective. Now, that is different from natural dentition. That is different from implants. So a lot of people tend to get confused uh, when, when, when they go with a single mindset. Occlusion is not static. It's a dynamic philosophy, all right? And no two human beings can be ever the same, uh, which means you cannot go in with a static thought process that occlusion means teeth coming together. Mm-hmm. It, it may sound so simple, but there is so much that happens within where teeth meet and how they meet uh, that, that dentistry has evolved through years. And, and it's important to understand, friends, that uh, we as human beings are millions of years of evolution, right? So if we have a, a particular cuspal incline, if you have a, have, have a facet in a particular place, if you have an incisal edge that's, that's shaped in a specific manner, all this is part of human evolution, survival of the fittest, mm-hmm. right? So what the patient walks into your practice uh, with is probably what is best suited in terms of occlusion for that patient. Mm-hmm. Some of them may need the occlusion to be refined, but then others are functioning fine. Who are we to change that and introduce a new problem in their lives? If they are suffering from an occlusion-related problem, we are here to treat them. But if they are not, it's our basic responsibility to make sure that we take care of them in a manner that does not cause a problem. Uh, it may or may not solve a problem. That's a different thing. But we, we definitely don't want to introduce uh, new issues in, in the oral cavity. Absolutely. And that's why we have something called as the Hippocratic Oath. Oh, yes. Yep. Oh, yes. And, 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 and uh, Karina Kapoor very rightly said, ye Hippocratic Oath ne to hamare doctor ki le Absolutely. Uh, so you actually did mention that I'm going to be looking into occlusion not only as a prostodontist, but I'm also going to be looking at it when I'm doing any kind of a restorative procedure, right? Absolutely, yes, sir, Mayur. Uh, a lot of people uh, always dwell into, you know what, how many full mouth rehabilitations have you done? And, and my question to them always is, how many full mouth rehabilitations do you think you have created? Oh, yeah. All because you told the patient, don't worry, this will settle. This will settle is probably the worst statement you could have told to your patient because in an attempt to settle, you have created a much bigger problem for that patient. I have had patients. (laughs) (laughs) This is all dramatic. Kind of. So Bollywood, yeah, you know. (laughs) Yeah. Uh, So what what I was saying is it's important to understand, friends, that uh, the smallest of interference can Mm. result in problems way more than what we as dentists even perceive. Hmm. Which is why so many patients who walk into our practice with migraine, headaches, neckache, backaches, tinnitus, clicking and popping in the jaw joint, we often never relate it to a bite problem when the actual problem lies in occlusion, which is why a lot of these patients go from doctor to doctor to doctor to doctor to doctor and no one has any answer for why they have a problem. Right, Because all their medical reports, all their blood reports are fine. Why do you have a headache? Uh, I think you take a lot of stress. Are I'm the most chilled out person on earth. Nay, nay, you take a lot of stress. And eventually these people have to uh, start taking antidepressants, sleep medication. And, and, and it's a severe, severe form of punishment, if I may call it, for, for uh, you simply leaving one interference uh, in their mouth. It may seem silly, but, but it can cause a lot of uh, life-changing events in, in your patient's uh, journey. Absolutely. Um, so I'm not really sure if what I am doing is right, but before I start any restorative procedure, I actually take um, 
I I take the articulating paper and I actually check how the occlusion is before I start the treatment. I record it on my DSLR and I just make sure that after I finish the restoration, it's somewhat similar to what I started off with initially. Just to be on the safer side, more layman's terms, but I want you to tell our listeners uh, what is occlusion for a young dentist. And that's, is that something actually I also need to learn? Uh, can you just keep it simple and not complicated? What is occlusion for a young dentist who is just passing out from his college? Okay, so uh, I'm 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 very happy to hear what what you do, uh, Mayur, because that would be a fantastic way to quantify uh, the fact that you have not uh, created a high point or an interference in your patient's mouth, even if it's a restoration, right? So that's that's the fantastic way of doing that. So uh, to to address your question about what is uh, occlusion, it's important to understand that uh, occlusion basically is is a form of uh, us- uh, union between the maxillary and the mandibular teeth, right? So teeth come together and that is what occlusion is is all about, okay? So we are going to understand this from the perspective that uh, when teeth contact each other, they could contact in a tap motion, that's, that's a static occlusal contact, or in an inclined guidance protocol, which is the excursive occlusal protocol. Okay, so uh, when we human beings chew, unlike most of our articulators that do only hinge movement, uh, we do dynamic mandibular movement. And that is why occlusion basically is is uh, a form of dentition against dentition, but working in unison with muscles. Yeah. Okay, so it's it's very simply put something like a puppet. A puppet doesn't move by itself, but there is there is the, the trainer with the fingers that's that's kind of manipulating it, right? So the brain and the muscles are are the dominant factors, and we need to make sure that when we are working on teeth, uh, we 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 respect uh, the the musculature and the temporomandibular joint. Awesome, awesome. So thank you so much for that. Uh, you actually mentioned um, about uh, static and dynamic. So is this what we call types types of occlusion? Can you elaborate a little bit more about what's what what does static mean? What does dynamic mean? And why are they both important? Okay, so so uh, it's important to understand here, friends, that when we're talking about occlusion, we normally check we only tell the patient, Band karo. tap, tap, tap. Now, tap, tap, tap is your static occlusion. It is very easy to get the occlusion right in static occlusion. The problems often occur when an individual is is doing dynamic mandibular movement, which means the individual is going protrusive or is going right or left lateral. Okay, that's called your excursive movements. Okay, now it's not uncommon for us as clinicians to find that posterior ceramic crown barbar chip or patient. Yeah, posterior ceramic crown bar bar decement or nickel jar. When you don't anticipate these things to happen, why do they happen? Although we may have adjusted the occlusion of the patient in a static bite, the moment patient goes into an excursive movement, there is a possibility that your ceramic crown is hitting natural tooth. So if the natural tooth is very strong and your ceramic is the weaker link, eventually your ceramic crown either fractures or decements so that tooth becomes a little mobile. And that's why a lot of these patients, uh, a few weeks or a few months later, come back saying, Ab that's food lodgement. So the problem is because there are excursive interferences present in the bite. And that's unfortunately not something that we were ever taught to look at. And, and that's why we never adjusted that for our patients. 
um that's so true um okay so let's just take this from the top um you did mention about static and dynamic so i am i as a dentist going to be checking for the static first and then the dynamic uh that would be the right way forward okay. so uh articulating papers that's the reason why are available mostly in two colors okay you have the blue color that is what we use for checking the static bite oh. and then you kind of flip them over onto the red side and tell the patient to bite and then simply grind on it i often tell my patients imagine this is chewing gum or this is your food and grind on it in every possible direction go forward go back go left go right uh the basic fundamental of what is called as mutually protected occlusion is dots at the back and lines in the front now when i'm talking about dots at the back these are to do with your static occlusal contacts oh. and lines in the front are your guidance profiles yeah. all right so i do not want lines at the back my yeah. my simple teaching to a lot of my students who come for my courses is a line in the front is a guidance mm. a line at the back is an interference yeah. remove lines from the back leave lines for the front do not remove dots from the back because they are your static occlusal contacts that maintain the vertical dimension and allow the patient to chew food so keep your blue dots at the back keep your red lines in the front that's the basic funda of uh, getting the occlusion to be mutually protective okay um right so uh, when you mean by dots in the back uh, how big should that dot be like a 5 <laughs> mm dot or a 1 mm dot and how does that actually look i'm really sure this is very challenging for you to explain uh, on a podcast but it'll be really helpful for the listeners to actually uh, visualize yeah, in their yeah. mind uh, what you are trying to say so what are we exactly looking at when you say dots in the back okay so basically when we're talking about contacts uh, we refer to these as point contacts and mm -hmm. area contacts ओके आई वांट ऑल ऑफ यू ऑल टू थिंक अबाउट लॉरेन एंड हार्डी एक एक पतला सा है एक एक झाड़ा सा है ऑलराइट सो वी वुड वी वांट डॉट कांटेक्ट्स वी डू नॉट वांट एरिया कांटेक्ट्स अ लॉट ऑफ पीपल आर ऑफ द ओपिनियन दैट द लार्जर द कांटेक्ट द बेटर विल बी द मास्टिकेटरी एफिशिएंसी एंड लेट मी टेल यू दैट इज ग्रॉसली इनकरेक्ट द लार्जर द कांटेक्ट द ग्रेटर इज द मास्टिकेटरी फोर्स नॉट द मास्टिकेटरी efficiency there's there's a uh, there's a significant difference between the two okay uh the larger the area of contact the heavier will be the bite but not necessarily a, a better chewing pattern okay you may often have these patients saying i can bite in multiple places okay that's not a good bite a, a good bite always is is closure into one place in a repetitive manner okay so uh that's where the difference between a point and an area contact comes in uh the thicker the articulating paper the thicker will be the mark so that's the reason why we often tell uh, our our students to use thinner articulating papers typically we say anything within the range of 12 going up to 40 microns is acceptable anything more than 40 for the natural dentition uh, is too thick it'll all give you very very big marks what happens with thicker articulating papers friends is a thicker articulating paper put on one side Okay normally when we use articulating papers these are all strips right so if we put a strip only on one side how is the other side even going to contact it is not going to contact because this side you have a thick paper and when you have a thick paper this side it's actually changed the patient's chewing pattern because the patient feels that okay this is food and i need to bite on it in a specific manner all right so thick papers uh, often tend to distort and give larger marks and uh, thick papers even tend to tear off that is why i'm a big believer of not using 
papers but using foils okay uh foils are relatively thin and and they don't tend to tear or rip at, rip apart as easily okay so uh i would want you to start using thinner articulating papers uh as i said 12 microns going up to 40 microns and and try to get point or dot contacts don't run behind area contacts okay dot contacts that are at the height of the cusp tip and and normally they say uh, a cusp tip should be about 1 mm uh tip in my head i'm always thinking of it as uh, a coconut okay uh usko chhilke dete na pani kholne se pehle jo chhilte aur se apex aata hai point aata hai ah beautiful that's how an occlusal contact should be because remember every coconut that has been shaved down is nothing but a cusp right it has inclines and it has a cusp tip and i want my contact to be only on the cusp tip not on the cuspal inclines awesome uh i'm not sure if this is a fact or a myth but i think it's going to be helpful for people to know uh i did attend a couple of uh, sessions in the past and then in that they had said um, okay you have a good amount of saturation of your articulating paper in the spot and then um, if um, the color goes right in the center of the spot that means that's the place where you need to remove uh, or just um, um just get that uh, excess material off how true is that right okay so here mayur it's important to understand that articulating papers work on two basic principles okay one principle says uh the bigger the mark the darker the mark the heavier is the intensity of contact which means uh the darker the mark the more i have to adjust that is one concept there is another concept which has been propagated by the bausch uh company and and that is to do with progressive color transfer uh what this does is it gives you large marks of of say blue or red color and in the center of it there will be no color transfer so it's it's like a bullseye okay in the center you will see the underlying tooth or the underlying porcelain and in the periphery you will see the blue or the red mark the blue or the red mark is is actually an indicator that this is where the teeth are close to each other but not physically in contact where is the actual contact in the center where there is no articulating paper mark so what are you supposed to adjust the area where there is no articulating paper mark this is the exact opposite of what most other articulating papers do all right so it's important that we understand which articulating paper are we choosing and using because this is also to do with the thickness of the articulating papers typically articulating papers that are a little thicker uh 100 microns and plus will will have this progressive color transfer philosophy okay uh this was invented primarily in an attempt to get articulating paper marks on glazed ceramics and metals because normal articulating papers don't seem to work there right kai bar hota hai na metal crown dala hai patient bol raha hai uncha lag raha hai but hame to mark hi nahi dikh raha so that is where these progressive color transfer philosophies uh are brilliant and and although i i most usually uh use the uh, bausch articulating papers there is troll foil t r o l l foil that comes from the company troll dental it is it is 8 microns but works on the progressive color transfer philosophy and and it marks even on wet surfaces even on glaze surfaces which is the reason why i am extremely biased towards using these for for uh the final adjustments 
So if I have to uh, do my basic or gross adjustments, I'm, I'm very comfortable doing these with the 40 microns. But you will always have this one patient who's like, Nahi, Dr. Sahib, abhi bhi thoda sa lag hai. Okay, and, and that's where you go down to your 8 micron and, and the troll foil uh, comes in. So it's important to understand that never will one articulating paper work for all situations. It depends on the patient and it, and it depends on the prosthesis type that you are uh, working with. If, if you are working with implants, you need uh, sub 20 microns. If you're working with natural dentition, 20 to 40 microns. If you're working with dentures, you need 100 microns. If you're working, uh, let's say, uh, with, uh, with splints, you can go anywhere between 100 to 200 microns. So there are different articulating paper thicknesses available in the market. And, and we as clinicians should know what to choose and, and more importantly, when to use. Absolutely. I totally agree with that. Uh, but before I take you deeper into this topic of articulating papers, I just wanted to confirm um, we are going to be keeping a lot of uh, sessions on occlusion as well as uh, all this stuff. Uh, so do we keep a separate session for articulating papers or let's discuss it right now itself? What do you suggest? Oh, no, I, I would be more than happy to discuss about articulating papers as, as a separate topic as a, as in itself topic. Fine. because there is so much to dwell in that topic. And more importantly, there is a lot of lack of knowledge and awareness in, in general with respect to uh, the use of an articulating paper. Because That's the reason why so, so often we see clinicians simply using carbon paper. Yeah. And that's never the answer to the solution, right? Because carbon paper leaves a lot of pseudo marks. And then you land up reducing areas that don't need to be reduced, right? So it's 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 better that that we cater to this topic probably as as a completely different uh, podcast. I, cool, I like cool. that thought. I I think that's uh, that's a good thing. Uh, so if you want uh, Dr. Moes Kakhani to speak about articulating papers exclusively, uh, put it in the comments and um, just share this uh, post so that even others would be able to relate to this and. Um, do let us know if you want a separate session on articulating papers altogether so I can invite Moise once again. Right, so Moise, um, before we dive into the topic, let's just, just talk in general about um, uh, other things other than dentistry. Um, I would probably want to go ahead with something called as the rapid fire. Wow. Are you okay. ready for that? <laughs> this is a surprise for me. Yeah. I feel like I'm on, on the coffee with Karan show now. <laughs> yeah, so let's just actually get the green teas with Mayur. Let's just have the green tea. Cheers. Cheers, oh, my it's, friend. It's hot, I think. Just be a little careful. Hmm. I like it. Yeah, so Mois. Uh, freshness of nature. Hope you like it as well. Oh, yeah. Right. So, a lot of people do know uh, Mois Kakhani as one of the finest prosthodontists of India. Um, but... Uh, I just probably included rapid fire so listeners can relate to, can relate to you apart from prosthodontics as well so that they can know you better. Uh, so let's start with uh, something fun like a rapid fire and the questions are very basic um, just for people to know our speakers better. So starting off with uh, what is your uh, favorite series? that you like to watch? What is my favorite series? Okay mm -hmm. so I, I, I have had a few. Okay. Uh, if if I go uh, a little into the past, I have been a huge fan of House MD. Oh yeah, yeah. Right. Absolutely. Uh, uh, Gregory House. I mean, absolute yeah. epic. It's it's all about the character. Absolutely. Right. And totally and, and totally the right. fact that it, it had a medical backdrop uh, only made it that much more enthralling for us. Uh, having said that, lately I have been uh, following the Mentalist series. Oh my series. God! <laughs> no. <laughs> 
I'm actually watching both of these once again oh, right yeah. now as you talk. So House is something that I'm watching again, uh-huh, but uh-huh. Mentalist I had not seen before. I'm Patrick I'm Jane. It. Yeah, it's, it's all about Patrick Jane. Yeah. I'm I'm on season six. If season I'm, six. So you're, you're very close to actually knowing who Red John is. It. I'm gonna kill you. <laughs> I'm gonna be the Red John for you. <laughs> right. Uh, so it's awesome. Apart from um, crime, true crime, suspense, any other genre that you like? Comedy. Mm-hmm. Uh, for me, it's 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 uh, thrillers or or comedy. Uh, the one thing that I will never ever ever watch is horror. Oh, it, okay. it scares me. I mean, cool. I, I I don't want people to judge, but uh, we we had this movie "Darna Zaruri Hai" and "Darna Mana Hai," and I remember okay. how scared <laughs> was I sitting in the theater, and I, and I went there only because I had lost a bet. <laughs> <laughs> that is awesome to know. So yeah, I mean, I do love horror. Uh, one of my favorite movies is The Ring. Oh my god! And uh, The Sixth Sense. Have you heard of that? Oh one? yes, of course. Uh, have you seen it? I haven't. No, uh, it's it's not horror per se. It's it's quite a deep movie. Right, right. Uh, but I'm sure you'll enjoy it. Uh, there's a huge twist that happens in the end, and I probably suggest that you watch it. It's not a horror horror kind of a movie, but there's a lot to learn. About how a kid handles everything, it's really good. Yeah, I've, should, I've heard a lot about about the movie, but but never gone around to actually uh, uh, watching it. Yeah, uh, yeah. I, I I remember uh, going to the theater mm-hmm. uh, when when it comes to uh, the movie The Ring. And, you and, did? Uh, oh, okay, okay, okay. So there's there's a little story, a uh, couple of minutes here for for the uh, the audiences. Uh, so this the, I have this friend of mine from my uh, uh, BDS years. जेम सिटिंग डाउन वेटिंग मूवी स्टार्ट हो रही है स्टार्ट हो रही है स्टार्ट हो रही है स्टार्ट हो गई Uh-huh. and and it said the ring i got up from there and i walked out the theater oh, and i said seriously? aniket i am never speaking oh to God. you <laughs> what was his reaction to it did he follow you and did he try to was like abey nahi chal movie zyada horror nahi aa ja so he 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 happened to hold my hand and and said to bet either you are not going anywhere and i and i remember for the next two or three minutes i was sitting with my head down oh my and i would get scared even with the sound effects oh <laughs> ये भाई मेरे बस की बात नहीं है सॉरी awesome so that's this um i don't know if this has a name so i think uh, there's a fear of spiders that's called arachnophobia but does does this have a name fear of watching horror movies i'm for not really me, sure for me it's more about the fear of the unknown and the fear of yeah, the dark yeah, yeah. right and 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 horror movies are everything to do with mm-hmm. you'll never see a horror movie that's shot in the day <laughs> where's horror if you can see it <laughs> but that's that's i mean it's surprising although you don't like horror you did watch the mentalist because 
quite a lot of it is suspense and quite a lot happens in the dark aha uh-huh. but it's, suspense i, I can it's, handle it's good it. story and the yeah. way they act it's really yeah. really yeah. nice i think it's about the characters and the way they uh, they bring it to life uh, more is, more more than anything which else which is your right? favorite character oh, uh, my my favorite character from the mentalist mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Uh, from the mentalist of course is is patrick jane i really? mean there can okay. be there can be no one but uh, but i know terry sell has been does a fabulous job yeah. of yeah. of of second yeah. to jane uh and i'm a big fan of cho cho yeah cho yeah. has to I be my man i mean he's cho. he's he's the coolest person yeah. that i can think yeah. of you know yeah anything and, and cho is like <laughs> okay <laughs> just monosyllabic answers i think um, there's one surprising character that i do like is jj larouche oh yes <laughs> larouche really, really amazing cool. Yeah. his his eyes they yeah. they they can yeah. dagger you through yeah, you know yeah really amazing without even saying it's it's surprising that people can spook you yeah even yeah. if they are not talking Correct. and most of the times i don't think he spoken enough mm-hmm. in mm-hmm. in mm-hmm. the entire series i think that's that's probably the charm of his character yeah. right yeah. if yeah. he were to be uh, someone who who blabbers i wouldn't yeah. take that man seriously mm-hmm. i mean uh Okay, let's not break the the signature no, no, but please no don't yeah. don't say anything about what's going to happen in the end. All right? So yeah, moving on, what's your favorite color? What's my favorite color? Uh I'm a big believer in in white and blue. That's awesome. Mhm. Right? Yeah. Uh, okay, cool. White white for peace and and blue because I I bleed blue. Mhm. Nice, nice. What is your favorite book? My favorite book is Clinical Fix Prostate. <laughs> 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 Could there have been a better answer? Yeah, your favorite holiday destination. Ah, <laughs> uh, there there are quite a few to that one. Yeah, quite a few. But ah, uh, uh, growing up, I have always been someone who enjoys the waters ah uh, uh-huh. more than anything else. So uh, I would say the Great Barrier Reef, ah uh, wow. for okay. for its its underwater marine life, ah uh, the corals and the experience of of doing uh, a scuba there. Ah, uh, I, I I know that's that's oh. my calling. Uh, the next question is uh, wine, scotch, or rum. That is all we have time for in this episode of the Thirty Two Minute Podcast. Do check out all our blogs, contests, events, and other episodes on Thirty Two Minute dot com. If you have questions for any of the speakers interviewed on my podcast, or if you are someone who has valuable information or experience that can help the listeners, or if you would want me to call a particular guest on my show. please mail me on podcast at 32minute.com i'm also open to your suggestions and ideas to make the show more helpful and exciting don't forget to join our telegram group for all the updates on our activities on the 32 minute podcast i release an episode every sunday morning so do subscribe to my podcast to get an alert when i release the next episode please remember it takes 30 hours of hard work for a single episode on the podcast so if you like the show please leave a review and a rating on my podcast this is your host dr mayur davda signing off for now i'll meet you in the next episode of my podcast till then keep listening keep learning <laughs>